I'm obviously black, I'm obviously open with my sexuality, and I like express it through clothing and things like that. And so whenever when I walk into a room, I walk in confidently, and that just signals to everybody like I'm here and this is just what it's gonna be. Um, and then that also might signal to someone else who maybe isn't as secure with themselves in whatever category, um, they can see me and know that it's okay to be confident in yourself in whatever room, whatever room we're in. Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and today on the show, I have Kadeem Alfonso Fife. Kadeem, how are you doing today? Hi, Nick. I'm doing so well. Thank you again for having me on the show. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. I appreciate you saying again. Uh, look, we've tried this a few times, had some technical difficulties and all that. <laughs> I was just saying to you before we hit record, like at this point, we've uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit. And I feel like this is going to be a great conversation. The first one that we had that no one will ever hear because it got all botched and messed up um, was a great conversation. But I think we're going to be able to go deeper into this. So, man, why don't you start us off? Tell us what you do for a living and what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre? So my name is Kadeem Alfonso Fife, and I'm a fashion designer based in New York City. Um, I also work as a design and production consultant, um, where I help other entrepreneurs or um, like creatives sort of take their um, creative vision from initial concept to market. And um, through that process, I recently um, decided that I wanted to put that into a book, sort of this like tangible resource for my clients or for other potential people. So I'm also a recently published author, um, and my book, Threading the Needle, A Fashion Designer's Guide to Successfully Launching Your First Collection, was published in May and is available everywhere books are sold online. Um, so that's just a bit about me. And then the fun fact, um, so I was raised in Durham, North Carolina, and I actually, um, in very true Southern fashion, was a male debutante, um, which is called a beau um, rather than a deb. And so um, basically this program was called the Botillion Militaire Program run by Kappa Alpha Psi, which is a um, nationally black, um, it's part of, it's one of the Divine Nine fraternities. Um, and it provides like young black men with mentoring, guidance, um, training with self-awareness, college preparation, leadership training, and most importantly, scholarships. And so that's just like a fun little, fun little fact that only a few people um, who maybe read the newspaper when it was announced know, but um, it did really shape me as a young adult and help me prepare for college. So I wonder where that is on the interwebs. Where is that picture of you? Where's that little article? Somebody must have put it out. Um, yeah, I mean, luckily, this was like in 2009. So, um, I mean, social media wasn't huge, but there are some photos that were on my Facebook. <laughs> and I'm sure it's online somewhere <laughs> on like local news. <laughs> sure. Somebody's got to resurrect that, pull that thing up. That's a, that's such a cool yeah. thing for you to be able to go through that. And I know last time when we spoke, you told me a bit about how that was a weird thing, being in the South and being black and then openly gay at that point. I know I'm getting yeah. ahead of us, but we've already had a bit of a conversation. <laughs> no so why don't you tell yeah. us a bit yeah. about that? Yeah, so um, it was really important for me to be involved in this program because, as you mentioned, I was I came out um, when I was thirteen, so I went through high school openly gay, and I like definitely felt faced a lot of challenges. But the other part of it was that uh, my family is Jamaican, and so I faced a different another layer of like. Um, 
discrimination or um, adversity because I wasn't really accepted by like um, certain communities. Um, like it was, so it was important for me to represent my Jamaican heritage in this traditionally African-American tradition. Um, and then also, um, you know, be openly gay in this very sort of like patriarchal, traditional, um, traditional um, setting where typically like when you're a male debutante, you like literally bring like, um, you know, a, a, a girl date and you give her a ring. So the idea in back in the day, it was to, it was like a way that you courted to meet the person that you were going to marry. So it's a very like, you know, heteronormative, um, heteronormative tradition. And so for me, I felt like I was kind of interrupting that and it was, it was nice. Um, and I felt accepted. I felt accepted within the program, but um, it was challenging in the beginning. It, I could only imagine how challenging that is. I can remember being a 13-year-old kid and thinking, I don't know if I want to play sports anymore or if I just want to play music. <laughs> is this girl looking at me weird? Does she like me? And yeah. these are stupid things compared to the real-life shit that you were going through and trying to figure out, like, how do I... How do I use my own heritage? How do I be me fully? And how do I accept myself and work through that and all? Now, with the heritage that you have, uh, with your Jamaican heritage, is that something that was really, really, really important for you because it was a familial thing, like your family was pushing it? Or was that something that was that you felt deep inside of you to be able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just a part of me. My, you know, both of my parents are Jamaican. I am the first born American. So that was like a another <laughs> another layer um, that added things to me. But it was very important for me to um, remain true to my heritage and like, you know, w you know, make sure that I'm eating all the right foods and like making sure that we're keeping our cultural traditions and that it doesn't sort of like get um, washed out, you know, throughout the generations. And so it's just really important for me to um, always represent that part. And that's why I always mention, like in my bio, it always says like Jamaican American. It's very important for me to represent both of those sides. Um, and uh, yeah, sometimes me being Jamaican did sort of like sit in conflict with my, with being open with my sexuality, especially that young because um, the culture is very religious. Um, it's like very, very Christian and my family was super Christian. And so, um, and I like went to church all the time and um, I was kind of like drilled with this idea that like being gay was bad, but um, I always knew inside myself that this was something that, you know, this is just how I was born and this is, um, you know, it's important for me to say that out loud that like I didn't choose something and like, you know, this wasn't, um, it's not something that needs to be like, I don't need to be ashamed of it. And so it was very, imp I, I'm happy that I went through, went through that very young because it like helped me self actualize very, very young and made me like force me to grow up. I was like, you know, this is who I am and the world's going to have to accept me um, as I am. And having to deal with that, you know, in high school when everyone's sort of like going through the changes and, you know, trying to figure out who they are, I already knew who I was. Um, and I had to, in order to, um, in order to sort of protect myself. That's a big thing about the whole uh, religious side of things. The And that was part yeah. of the reason why I was asking about the heritage. Was yeah. it because your family was pushing it? Was it something that was important to you? And that goes along with the religious side, where there's a lot of people, um, I guess most everybody, they're raised a certain way, and this is what they're taught to do and taught to be, and this is how life should be, and that's what they kind of yeah. move along with. So for you to kind of buck at that, what did that look like for you to be able to 
really work through the idea of I might face some discrimination within my family, within um, the religious sect that I'm a part of, and still make that right call for yourself. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just came down to that. There was, I remember the day that I was like, okay, I'm coming out. (laughs) One, it was sort of just like blatantly obvious because I was um, quite feminine, like as a young person. And so it was like, I was told that I was gay by people before I knew I was gay, (laughs) which is often the case. (laughs) Like your bully, the bully normally tells you first, um, which I'm like, how do you know? But anyway, um, (laughs) I, when I decided, the thing was, I was like, I don't want anyone to have a narrative about me. Like you can't, I don't want other people controlling my narrative. If I come out and say that this is who I am, then no one can sort of like take that away from me or like use it as a negative thing. And so to your point, um, to your question rather, there was a day where I was like, I know this to be true about me. And so it doesn't matter what other people say, um, whether that be in the church or within my family, like if it, you know, because of, you know, these sort of like older traditional um, archaic views about like sexuality and stuff. I was like, we need to like, you know, step into the future. And I also had other, I had role models who I could see in my community who were like, well, that person is sort of like me and they're fine. And so I'm not the only one sort of dealing with this. Um, And actually I remember, (laughs) um, I remember when I sort of had that realization, I was watching the um, Christina Aguilera video for music video for the song Beautiful. And it was like the first time that like she, that artist like portrayed a gay guy, like two guys kissed on, on camera on VH1 and they like let it let it air and it was a big you know controversy but I remember pointing to the TV luckily I was home alone but I pointed to the TV and I was like oh that's who I am that's what I am I know this is these are the feelings that I've been you know whatever because up until that point I had like, had girlfriends just like everybody does like you're a little boy in the south you have a girlfriend whatever you know that's just what it is but I was like I don't actually like her like that and so um, having that you know seeing somebody seeing representation on TV was really important for me but then also there were other people in my community like I had a gay teacher and I was like well if he's doing fine in life um, I'm sure that there's a future out there for me and so I sort of you know in my day-to-day life now I like to think of myself as that role model for other people and I like to live my life like out and proud because representation is important um, and I have a platform and you know I want to make sure that some you know little black kid in the South, maybe he sees me or sees my name somewhere and knows that I was able to come out of that situation um, and be successful. And that just because he's dealing with like adversity or certain challenges with his family or his faith, um, that anything is still possible and that it doesn't have to be sort of like this death sentence. Like you don't, it's not the end all be all because someone called you out of your name. (laughs) (laughs) I think you brought up a great an interesting point about uh, representation. It can be really hard for a lot of people to be able to see outside of themselves until they actually see somebody outside of themselves and they see that representation. And I understand from how I was raised and even the color of my skin that there's privilege that comes along with that or so I thought and that I could look around and see a lot of people that I thought were similar to me, but they weren't really. That's got to be more difficult for people like yourself or other people. Uh, There's an image in my mind that I saw maybe a few years ago where it was some little girl standing up against, um, like, I don't know, she was two or three, like, standing up against the TV. 
and yeah. pointing out some Pixar character or something that looked almost exactly like her. And yeah. it, the caption just said, the point of representation. I was like, wow. I know the exact image you're talking yeah, about. And you've, I'm yeah. sure a lot of people that will listen to this will remember that. And that's got to be a pivotal yeah. moment for that little girl to be able to see that representation. Now, it can be no matter color or uh, your disability or abilities mm-hmm. or anything like that. But let's actually get into that a little bit. I think you've got a lot okay. that you've brought to the table, uh, not just with, within your life, but what you do for mm-hmm. the entrepreneurs and the creatives. Right. So talk to me a bit about that representation and what that looks like for you. Yeah, um, I mean, that's so cool that you mentioned that I know as soon as you started saying it, I was like, I know the exact thing you're talking about. And yeah, um, and I think that's important because that was a that's a current image. Like that's something that happened recently. Um, And because I think like, you know, um, we're doing a better job about having diverse representation in media um, and especially for kids like it's important for like the little black girl to see another little black girl like living a happy life and like she doesn't like necessarily like only need to play with like white Barbie dolls or something like that you know like there yeah. needs to be a widespread uh, you know there needs to be options and I think that you need to be able to see yourself in someone else to um, realize that um, there are there's a world of possibility out there for you um, and so I think the key word there is like possibility. Um, and so yeah. I think that for me, it's kind of like two things. I, like I said, I do this work, but I also, like, I don't, you know, whenever I enter a room, it's very obvious who I am and what I bring to the table. I'm obviously black. I'm obviously open with my sexuality and I like express it through clothing and things like that. And so whenever, when I walk into a room, I walk in confidently and that just signals to everybody like I'm here and this is just what it's going to be. Um, and then that also might signal to someone else who maybe isn't as secure with themselves in whatever category. Um, they can see me and know that it's okay to be confident in yourself in whatever room, whatever room we're in. And yeah. then the other part is about possibility. And so the work is really about the work and like the the stuff that I talk about in the book is trying to give people a roadmap, um, a roadmap to succeed in this very sort of like niche category. It's like this is how I have this is how I have helped others build their brands, and this is how you can do it. Um, these are the steps that I've taken. These are some of the mistakes that I've made, and so you know I try to. It's sort of like a. Um, I I went through it so that you don't have to kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's really important in fashion, which is something that I talked about in a recent interview, um, which was more fashion focused. But um, people within the industry will know that fashion is like a very, a very gate kept industry. Um, Like it's very hard to break into. You have to like go to certain schools. You need to make the right connections. Typically you need to come for money. Like (laughs) there's a whole host of reasons why a lot of people don't go into the arts because it's like not necessarily secure or whatever. So there's a lot of steps that you need to, um, a lot of sort of um, criteria that you need to have in order to one, like arrive at the conclusion that you want to work in fashion. Um, But then once you decide that you want to put yourself out there and make your brand available for others, they're like very, you know, um, there's a bunch of steps that you need to take. And I think a lot of people who are novices do not, um, are just like not aware. And so I just wanted to sort of put this information out to help guide people. And so I think anything that I'm doing is all about um, showing people 
showing people that things are possible. Like that, I want to give people this idea about possibility um, and that your dreams are within reach as long as you are like very steadfast on your goals and make sure that you have like a detailed plan and, you know, make sure that you set deadlines and actually like, you know, um, hold yourself accountable. And so that's, you know, kind of like, that's what I try to do as a consultant is hold myself accountable as a professional, but then also <laughs> hold my clients accountable. It's like, we're doing this today, then we're going to do this. These are the steps. And as long as we follow it, we'll get to, we'll get from point A to point Z. And again, it's all about taking people's creative vision from initial concept to market. And there's so many detours that people can take if you not, if you're not guided by the right person who has done it before. It's difficult to be able to follow your own path. Uh, it can be easy to For try sure. to follow somebody else's path. But that somebody yeah. else's path isn't always the exact same things that you can go through. And especially right. then we toss in the mix of the creative people. You and I are both yeah. creatives. This is yeah. what we do. This is how we live life. However, it's fucking crazy sometimes because it just <laughs> there's so much. There's a lot that you can do. And then to toss in discipline and mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> accountability and things of that sort for creatives can sometimes feel like it squishes uh, their oh, their sure. energy and the way that they work. I know that I felt that before, and should I have a mindset and self-mastery show? Self-mastery <laughs> is basically just discipline, but that's because of yeah. my pursuit of trying to figure out how to flow throughout life, be disciplined, and not let things fall through the cracks at the same time still being able to work through that. So what sort of advice do you give to somebody that's trying to figure that out and go, all right, well, I'm creative and I need to flow through my creative juices, but I still need to get my shit done. Yeah, that's a very delicate balance. Um, and I think that, <laughs> I mean, I think just like in general, self-discipline is extremely difficult like and i think that that's just like a journey that we're all on <laughs> um i think there's like an age you hit and it's like okay well if if it, if it's not going to get done unless i do it when you have yeah. that realization that's when i think you wake up and grow up and it's like i have to do this today because it needs to get done um that's like you know i think the the foundation of discipline is that you just have to get things done but um yeah, being creative is tough because you want to just, I mean, there, I'm trying to say two things, actually. It's like, there's a point where you can be creatively blocked and it's like, I can't, I can't create. And that's a problem when it's your job. <laughs> so it's like, well, I do need to create today. And so there's some, there's this like, you know, gray area that you can live in sometimes where it's like, listen, I need to put out a collection, but I'm not feeling creatively inspired, but the dead, you know, it doesn't change the fact that there are deadlines and that, um, yeah. you know, I still have to, I still have to produce. And so, um, but then there's those times when you're, uh, when you're like in a deep creative flow and you're just like, oh my God, I have all these crazy ideas. Like this happens to me sometimes. I'll like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my God, I need to like <laughs> design a dress right now because it's like in my head. Like when I can see it most vividly is when I need to create. Um, and, and I just let myself feel like when I am feeling creative, that's when I create. And when I don't, I go back to the reserves of all the things that I created and we whip out something like, I'll be like, okay, well, you know, I designed, you know, eight dresses in March or something like that. Let's go back to that and maybe update them to um, reflect how I'm feeling now um, or reflect like trends that are going on now and just like, you know, make it more current. But I, I don't, so that's, that's the way that I kind of 
mend those two things. It's like I create when I can and when I have it, and then those periods when I need to just produce, I go back to the work that I've already done. Um, and so that's a part of discipline too. It's like knowing that I have that, I have those highs and lows. I need to I need to make sure that I'm producing at a really high level when I can. Um, and so I think my advice for other people is just like let yourself feel, especially as creatives. Like you know when you're in a creative flow. Just like let it let let the flow happen and um, produce as much as you can because at the end of the day we're I mean unless you don't work we all have to work so <laughs> you know we're all we're all producing and so just make sure that your your output um, your output is always there um, it's, and it's always the goal and I think goal you know that's a kind of a buzzword there is really key for me and the way that I approach discipline like I can be a very disciplined person but I can also not be but I like allow myself that space there's like yeah. periods where I'm like listen we're off today like I'm taking a personal <laughs> day or like it's the weekend and we're just gonna have fun whatever because you can't just be like on all the time like who can run it 100% all the time not me um but um but I, I make sure that I start every day with a to-do list and I make and I make a to-do list for either that day or for the whole week. And I do not go into my weekend unless I have checked off everything on that list. And that's my that's my version of discipline. You know, for other people, it might be like taking martial arts or for other people, it might be like waking up and having like a, a morning routine that they follow every day. And if they don't, they feel off, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's just those little those little things that you put in place for yourself that work for you. So do what works for you is the main um, the main piece of advice there. Yeah. And there's a bit of um, like grace that you need to have with yourself, too. Because there's yes. those days when you're able to produce and you're just in a flow, you're able to rock through it. And then the other days where you're like, yeah. you know, fuck all this. I want to go outside. Yeah. Or I want to go do and this. Or I just don't want anybody yeah. to be near me all day long. Like everybody just leave me yeah. the fuck alone. I think a lot of people don't give themselves that grace, especially in like this like hustle culture that we live in. Like everybody's just like, I have to work, work, work. Nonsense. It's like, but listen, we also need to be realistic. We do have to work. And like some, if you have to pay your bills, <laughs> do what you got to do. But there are days where you're just like, I can't do this. Like I can't. And I need to just like, let it be okay um, that I'm not working. And that was a big, that was a big learning lesson for me that like basically took all of my twenties because I just was like, no, I have to work. What are you talking about? Um, but sometimes it's just not, it's not the... It's not what you need, and you need to give yourself grace. So I agree with you there. Well, think of the time frame that you were in in your 20s. I think of the time frame that um, maybe our parents were in in their 20s. And way back, even a few hundred years ago, like there's there's been the differences between the hustle culture and you've got to grind and do all these things. I think a lot of that shit actually really started to happen in the 80s, at least most recently for us. And then it's kind of filtered in from there. My parents, I was born in the 80s, so my parents were kind of mm -hmm. products of the 60s, 70s, but right. they were in their heyday in the 80s. They were in their 20s in right. the 80s trying to figure this stuff out. And then, of course, they're going to fucking pile drive it down my throat to try to do that. And the rest of the culture yeah. and society is telling us to do the same thing. So for us to be able to have that passion and that purpose that we feel we're being led to do we can't let that actually get in the way of us recharging and relaxing and being right. able to feel into it. So you'd mentioned earlier, like produce when you can produce. And then when you yeah. can't go back and look at other things, there's a key piece to that, that I think we could easily just jump over. And I don't want to, 
I want us to look at when you can produce and you're on it, just fucking go. Just do what you can yeah. and have fun with it. Don't think of it as like, well, I have to produce all this craziness. Just sit down and do, just have fun. Just create. But then when you're not able to, I've realized that I can look back at those things and I'm glad you brought that up. I can look back and go, I remember this. And then it'll push me in a direction or nudge me oh, yeah. in some sort of direction. So when people are in a spot where they're like for you with fashion, for me with music, I think of we can create and just kind of put to the side. There are people that will fall into those within whatever industry they're in. But what would you say to the people that are outside of an industry that's like this? And maybe they're in an industry where they have to create for work and it's not specifically for them and their creative juices. How would you encourage them to be able to do that? Yeah, that's that's tricky. Um, I feel like that's the million dollar question. Whoever can figure that out. Um, needs Come on, Kadeem, we need millions here. <laughs> Listen, um, whoever can master that. But um, I mean, I, I think the thing I'll say about that, I think it's just like giving yourself time to learn. Well, actually, to unlearn <laughs> that, like, you know, I'm thinking of this thing as maybe like a hobby, you know, and um, rather than something that you have to do for a check, which goes back to what you were saying. I think that um, w w you, were, you were kind of raised in like that nine to five culture, which like all Americans know that like 40 hour week, like we're all just trained on that. Like you have to come in, you have to work these hours and this is what you accomplish. And then you go home and then you get a check and then you live out, you know, after that. But now we're kind of in a different place now where you can like live and work you know, with like remote work and all of this stuff. Like, I think yeah. this shift is super important because people are like living more. <laughs> and um, I think that that's important. Like there are other cultures where, you know, people um, work to live. And, and I think what we do is live to work. Unfortunately, our Americans, I think are people who live to work. Like we get up and we're like, gotta work. Um, and so I think it's just about like unlearning that a little bit and saying, okay, well, yes, I do have to work because we do all have like to produce and we do all have bills that we need to pay. But you can also try to like insert a, a little bit of that fun and that enjoyment. Like what is the thing that um, when you do it, you feel happy, you know, like, um, or what is that thing that um, you've always wanted to do? Like, what is the thing that you loved when you were a kid? And I think that yeah. for me, at least, um, fashion, luckily, what I do is what I love, like, which can actually be a little bit tricky, <laughs> too, because then it's like, oh, my God, like this thing that I love so much, I have to give out to the world. Like when I create <laughs> like a you know, you know, create a garment, there are times where I'm like, oh my God, I like don't want to release this because then it's not mine anymore. Like it doesn't feel like uh. mine, but so that's like the artist's dilemma. It's like showing your art. It's because then it becomes, um, it becomes up for consumption. Uh, it becomes available for consumption and it becomes available for critique. And, um, but I think that that's how critique keeps people honest. And I think that artists and creatives should not fear putting their work out because otherwise I don't think they're gonna grow and um, what, well one, they're not gonna make sales if they don't put it out, but they're also just not gonna grow as an artist. Like you need that, you need that feedback. And so I think just do whatever makes you happy um, and do it well. Like, you know, get yeah. like I find happiness in the learning part of it. I find happiness in like trying to do something really, really well. Um, and I'm still on a journey on that. Like I, 
I'm still on a journey with that. Like I always, there's so many things that I learn every day um, in the industry from other people, from like reading magazines, from online, from, you know, watching on social media, like things like that. I, I'm always in, trying to be inspired and I'm always um, trying to constantly learn because I don't think that um, you just like, you know, get your degree and you know everything and you just go off into the world and do whatever. It's like, I want to continue to learn, but I also want to be, I also want to be happy while I'm learning. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that process, I think find the thing that brings you joy and also brings you money. <laughs> yeah, well, it's such a, a tricky Venn diagram to try to live within. You and I do that. You are in the industry that you want to be in. You're doing what you love. I'm yeah. in the industry that I want to be in. I'm doing what I love, but there's still times, and I'm sure we could we could probably just riff on this episode, if not after recording of like different times where you're like, there are times where I just say, fuck today, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with today or whatever. And that happens no matter what you're doing. Like people will look at celebrities or they'll look at uh, sports stars and they'll be like, oh God, they must live life on high, always doing all these incredible no. things. Like bullshit, absolute bullshit. No, <laughs> but you've brought true. up a few things about um, people having to make money. Especially yeah. in this society, it's not like um, it's not like we all have millions of dollars to just screw around and no. figure out what we want to do. And those small mm -hmm. percentage of people that are trust fund babies or the people that have loads of money, <laughs> from what I've noticed, typically are um, kind of unguided. They just don't really know what to do. They don't really have a direction. And then there are the people that have made lots of money or they have had money within their family and they have this massive calling that they're really pushing for and they're pursuing. I think there's a question here for people to think about. Those of you that are listening to the episode and those of you that read the transcripts or whatever, think about the question of if you're in something that you hate, why the fuck are you still there? And Correct. it can be difficult <laughs> to be able to get out of that, but you've got to start with that first question. Like you've had jobs before you got into doing what you're doing. I've had different jobs. I've had different companies before I've gotten into doing what I'm doing now. And there's still things right. where we have every day that stuff comes up and like we realize that we're not 100%. We realize that we're not there, but it is enjoying that process as you're talking about. But those people, and I'm sure you've had clients where you're, they're like, look, I, I want to do this. I want to pursue this, but mm -hmm. you know, I've got my family and I've got my job and I've got my this and that. <laughs> like if you could be really fucking direct with those people, how would you put that? Um, I mean, I think it, you're right. I have, um, encountered the situation with myself, but then also with other people and also like friends, like having to have this conversation yeah. with friends too. Like, what do you really want to do? But um, what I always say is like, well, first of all, it is extremely important to be realistic. Be like, look, these are the things that I have to do in order for me to like survive or whatever. And maybe I, maybe you do that up until a point and you say, okay, I'm going to do what I need to up until this point. And then I'm going to go out and like take that leap of faith. And I think that often, um, people are just scared to take a leap of faith to do something that they're not used to. Um, and so guiding people through that where it's like, hey, you can do both f for a little bit. And, yeah. and I think that that's like kind of the, you know, um, the journey of the entrepreneur is that we know that 
you know, sometimes you might, you know, I'm working on a project, a big project or a book or something, but I might need to go get like a bartending job or something because I still need my day to day to be covered kind of thing. But I, I still say I'm going to do it for, I'm going to do both for three months and then I'm going to pursue this project fully for six months or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm still going to hit my goal. And so with the, I guess the point there is be goal driven and purpose driven and I think that that was going back to what you were saying that a lot of people can lack purpose and I think that that is the most important thing for me at least has been working with purpose and letting my purpose drive me um, and th- I make decisions based on like does this align with what my overall goals are with my what my overall purpose is like what impact do I want to have on the world and does my action or this project or whatever align with that, align with whatever that mission is. And I think that um, if you, um, even if, let's say you're, you know, you can do anything and be purpose driven, even if it's like something like more of like a, if you're purpose driven, you could literally like work at McDonald's and and that could still be as long as it fulfills something that you need. Like if your thing is like, I want to help people. OK, great. That's your purpose. Go help people over there. That kind of thing. But maybe that teaches you some lessons and then you have a you know, you use those lessons that you learned at that job and translate that into something bigger. And I think that that's also a thing to always be looking for something um, bigger like what's the next goal like what are we reaching for and I think that some people can sometimes get stalled especially if they're working you know um, sort of like a nine to five and this goes back to the friend part that I, I I'm in my um, young 30s um, early 30s right now and a lot of my friends are having this like rut that they're in where it's like oh my god I've been in like the same career the same job the same company for like five seven ten years and I'm like deeply deeply unhappy like what have I done in the last 10 years like what do I have to show for myself like what have I you know when like if I go tomorrow what is the world going to say about me nothing (laughs) they're gonna say nothing. And so it's like these, I think people are having this moment where it's like, oh my God, I want them to say something about me when my time here is up. And so that's that links back to the purpose thing. If you were operating with purpose, or if you choose to start operating with purpose, then all of your actions will start to leave a mark. And so I, you know, that's kind of, um, has been a lesson that I've had to teach myself, but luckily I had my, <laughs> I had a quarter life crisis. I'm not dealing with it now. So when I was like 25, I was like, oh my God, like I worked so, I worked so hard to get to this point in my life. I wanted to go to these schools. I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to work at these companies, check, 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 did all the things. And I woke up one morning and was like, oh my God, I've checked off my to-do list for my life and I'm 25, which like that looks good and it's like great on paper and I'm super proud of what I accomplished. But I also was like deeply unhappy. I was like, well, what do I do next? Like this, certain goals I wasn't supposed to hit until I was 30. And then now flash forward, I hit 30 and, you know, I re, you know, sort of like uh, made new goals for myself. But then I hit 30 and I had the same issue. And I was like, okay, wait, now we got to plan for 35. Like what is next? (laughs) Um, And so I like try to to plan my life with these like five, five to 10 year blocks. Um, But one thing I learned, especially with this most recent, when I hit 30, it was a real like slap in the face. Like I really had to look in the mirror and was like, who do you want to be? And like, who do you, um, 
what do you want to be remembered for? Um, and one of my biggest fears is like being forgotten, <laughs> which like we don't have enough time to dig into why that is. But <laughs> I, I, it is important for me that there is some sort of um, legacy. It doesn't have to be huge. I hope that it is huge. I'm going to keep going, of course. But um, even like an interview like this, this one day later down in the life, you know, later down um, in time, someone might listen and there, it may have an impact. And that's just my whole point that I always want to make sure that I'm having impact impact on people who I do not know. That has been my purpose. If I can't meet you face to face, I still want you to be able to hear my voice or see my face or see my work and my creative output and have that inspire you um, in some way. I don't know, like people connect with your work in however they want to or um, however they're able. But as long as I'm putting putting my best foot forward and um, making sure that I'm, again, using my platform responsibly, then I'm doing the thing that I said I wanted to do, which is try to inspire people to just continue going and to, um, to know that things are possible. There's a lot to that, a whole lot. Um, and I, I can feel that there, there are people that are going to listen to this episode and say, I hear you, and that's wonderful for you guys. That's great. But <laughs> you don't know my situation, or you don't understand right. what I'm going through, or what have you. And you're right. We won't, unless they reach yep. out, or unless they're a guest, or whatever. Yeah. We won't really understand. But I do, I do really want to harp on the fact that, just like you're saying, purpose is such a huge piece of what we're about. Should it's a major piece if not the biggest piece of what we do at choose your calling but it's all about you having the purpose that you feel is right for you and aligned for you but you don't need to know exactly every single thing about it that's something that's actually stepped stepped in my way of myself saying well i don't know exactly what this is supposed to look like so what the fuck do i do and you kind of spin on things (laughs) yeah and being in the spot where you if you've got a job, if you've got your own business, if you've got something where you've gone 5, 10, 15, 20 years down a road and you go, fuck, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't what I feel called to do. A lot yeah. of people, when they think about purpose and they think about a calling, they think it's this giant fucking thing that's going to be <laughs> just talked about for eons. And that's yes. not always it. You're, you may yeah. have that thing. You may be that next person to do that next huge thing. But you may not, but you may also inspire somebody else to do something about that. So on your path, have you figured out what that looks like for you to be able to look at how I actually walk through my path of self-mastery and what sort of advice would you give to somebody that's on that path towards self-mastery? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's such a good point that um, some people never take the first step because they're so they're either like thinking way too grand and they're like, well, how do I get there? And the answer is like too big start. (laughs) It's too big. But also just like maybe it isn't like I've always I have, you know, I've always had like very um, a big understanding of what I want to accomplish. And but I'm also very realistic about what I'm capable of doing. And it's, you know, what I'm capable of doing right now and what I might be capable capable of doing in the future. But what I do and what I think separates me from a lot of people is that I'm willing to try. I'm willing to make a mistake. And I don't care if I look like if I look stupid or if I look like I failed or something. It's like everybody fails. <laughs> and most people just like like to like fail in private. But like when you're out there and more of a public, fa- you know, um, front facing person, your failures are public. So I've just had to get used to that, whatever. And it's fine because I I always take a lesson and then I grow from it. And so 
I would say um, for, you know, my advice for other people who are on this path towards self-mastery is that um, you can't master yourself, whatever that means, um, you know, become the best version of yourself is kind of how I um, how I understand it. You can't become that best version of yourself if until you love yourself. <laughs> like, I think self-love Beautiful. is so important until you, like, look yourself in the mirror, m- mirror and it's like, here here are the things that make you special and um that that process of like loving yourself takes time i think it's a journey i'm still on it i think people <laughs> lots of people are still on it um but um i think just within that process just remain determined to become your best self and always give yourself grace in that process and just like know that you can do it like the way that i've always kind of um kept myself going is that i'll look to I'll look to my idols or my inspirations and see what their path was. It's like, okay, well, they went to this school, they worked here, they kind of like, this is their aesthetic, that kind of thing. And I'll just sort of like try to mimic that because it's like, well, someone else did it. So it's obviously possible. Like, it's obviously possible. And so why can't I? If someone else can do it, um, actually this line, um, which is a perfect summary from um, Patti LaBelle's version of um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which just like is one of my favorite renditions of the song. But she says like, if teeny weeny birds can fly over the rainbow, then why can't I? And I feel like that's just like a very, you know, simple but also profound question. And I feel like that's the thing that people just need to challenge themselves. It's like, if a bird can fly over the rainbow, then why can't you? Like, it's possible. It is possible for you to achieve whatever you put your mind to. And I think that it just takes hard work and determination, um, which is not to simplify that or like, you know, um, say that other people haven't worked hard or whatever. But it's those two things, remaining steadfast in your goals and your purpose um, will guide you over the rainbow. Um, And so um, one thing that I had said on the last time, (laughs) which is just like a funny thing, remember that Beyonce was not built in a day. But... (laughs) Everybody knows that Beyonce always knew she would be Beyonce. And so that's the whole thing. Like, she knew that she was going to be it. The world didn't know, and the world just has to catch up. And so I think just continue to try and be the best version of yourself and um, don't let these, don't let minor setbacks get in the way or stop you from, like, kind of reaching that higher self or reaching your goals. What a beautiful way to put that. And I'm glad that you brought back the Beyonce thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a few things that we talked about on the the first iteration, so I'm glad you brought yeah. that back. And there's there's a lot to it of um, showing yourself grace, <clears throat> being able to just take those first steps, um, and to get to a little bit of a macro level before we wrap this thing up. There's yeah. also working through your own personality, your personality type, right. and the traumas that you've had in life, because those things will yeah. stop you, and there are reasons why you're blocked. You're not broken. You just may be blocked from certain things. And some of that may be, well, I don't think that I can succeed because I'm afraid of success or uh, how somebody has told me about something before. There's a lot of shit that goes into that. So for everybody that's listening to the episode, I want you to understand that it's not just about the purpose that you feel is this grandiose idea, but it's about you leaning into the thing that feels right for you to do and keep walking on that path and understanding more about yourself and understanding a bit about your background just like with Kadeem. Now Kadeem I appreciate you being on the show again and for all yeah. the all the time that we've been able to spend together having conversations I really appreciate you being here before I let you go where can people find you where can they connect with you where can they either buy the dress from you or get that book <laughs> absolutely yeah thank you so much Nick I'm so happy that we were able to have 
have this conversation. And um, I really love like all the stuff that we touched on and it's just, you know, I'm really happy that I got to do this. So um, yeah, uh, as we wrap up. So um, again, my name is Kadeem Alfonso Fife. You can find me um, on social media. My Instagram is K underscore A-L-P-H-A-N-S-O. And um, you can sort of use that to go to my link tree and that has my LinkedIn, um, has links to some collections and collaborations that I've done. And again, the book Threading the Needle, A Fashion Designer's Guide to Successfully Launching Your First Collection is available um, as an ebook, paperback and audiobook on Amazon, but then also everywhere books are sold online. So if you type in my name, you can find me. Um, and if you type in the books, if you type in that that title, you can definitely find it online. Um, so I'm super excited to just keep growing and um, continuing to connect with other people. Again, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.